Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it. It's it's like hump day. I mean, right? Because it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Thanksgiving. That's kind of how it works, right? So you got a three-day week and a four-day weekend, baby. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Uh, so today is actually Tuesday, but it's kind of like it's hump day-like. That's that's what it's all about. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us, the Michael Duke Show. We have got a uh, we got a good show lined up for you today. We got, of course, as Tuesday, it means that we're going to be diving into it with uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the weekly top three. Uh, and, of course, the top three items today include the legislative session and what we're going to see from the session, in Brad's opinion. We're also going to talk about the Alaska economy and the uh, the discussion on Pika and Willow, and then we're going to um, and then we're going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Alaska LNG and what is that what is that bringing to the table uh, in the in the short term and in the long term uh, both and we'll see. Brad Keithley is going to come in and give us that uh, that that rundown here on the weekly top three uh, here in just a few moments, and we hope that uh, we hope that you're all ready to do that and ready to talk about all the good things here in just a few minutes. Uh, then in hour two, we'll be chatting with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who will come in and give us our weekly. Life coaching lesson, which we we call it our uplift. Our it's the uplifting segment segment, which usually we need after we've had to deal with Brad for a while because we feel not beat up, but uh, <clears throat> sometimes sometimes there's a lot of hard truth there, and that's a it's not, it's not always easy to deal with. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get that uplift from Chris Story, and we'll feel better about it. How about that? We will feel better about it when it's all said and done. All right. Well, let's dive into a few of the headlines. I mean, first and foremost, it is going to be a bit of a messy Thanksgiving. Well, for those of us who are in the South Central area anyway, um, we're expecting. Uh, oh, yes, we're expecting rain for Thanksgiving. Um, <clears throat> Wednesday night to Thursday, um, the whole South Central uh, region is expecting a rain-snow mix for many locations, and uh, it's going to be hovering right around that 32 to 35 degree mark. So, um, 
you know, that trip to over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go might be a little bit slower than you uh, than you anticipated for your Thanksgiving for your Thanksgiving meal. So um, just uh, take it easy and be cautious out there. Uh, it's been a little nasty anyway the last couple days. A little rain with little rain with snow and ice in uh, in the South Central area already, uh, and now it's going to be worse. Uh, Fairbanks is uh, warmer than uh, a lot of people have anticipated, and I think even down on the peninsula. So. Anyway, going to be interesting. Going to be interesting, I think is the uh is the technical term for that. So we'll be we'll be watching uh, we'll be watching that out here. But uh, take it easy. Take it easy over the holidays. There's no rush. There's nothing, you know. You need to just have a happy turkey day. All right. Um what else? speaking of turkey day. Speaking of turkey day. Um, we were talking, uh, yesterday a lot about the variety of, uh, the variety of different, uh, dishes and things that we want to eat this, uh, this, this Thanksgiving and everything else. Well, that's, that's all well and good. Um, but the Thanksgiving turkey dinner, according to the Farm Bureau, is going to cost you a little bit more this year. Uh, the average increase they're saying right now is going to be about 20% more for your Thanksgiving meal. Now, um, interestingly enough, the numbers that the, that the Farm Bureau gives out are a little bit, I don't know, it just seems really, it doesn't match my grocery bill. Let me just put it that way. According to the Farm Bureau's 37th annual survey, Uh, It's a snapshot of the average cost of this year's classic Thanksgiving feast for 10, which they say an average Thanksgiving feast for 10 people costs $64.05, $6.40 per person. That's $10.74 more than last year's. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck they are actually eating for $64.05. I mean, the turkey itself costs... $30, $30, you know, maybe, maybe a little less. Maybe if you got, like I got mine on sale the other day, I walked, just happened to walk by one and they had a, they had a young butterball frozen turkey in there for a buck a pound or whatever. So I only paid $22 or $23 for my turkey, but that's $40 to $64 to feed 10 people. I don't know where they're at, but that's what they say. A 20% increase. Now, Alaskans obviously are going to pay more than that. Uh, You can often, uh, you know, many Alaskans uh, do all kinds of stuff. Caribou, walrus, sheep, salmon, king crab, goose, ptarmigan, whatever. That could all be your Thanksgiving meal. So we could, you know, do the workaround on it. But um, that's, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to pay a little bit more. They're saying that the the Farm Bureau said that it's uh, probably going to be about $1.81 per pound. $1.81 per pound for uh, a turkey. And uh, <clears throat> it's all a little bit more expensive. Now, again, I'm just going through this thing. Pie shells, green beans, fresh cranberries, whipping cream, sweet potatoes, cube stuffing. $64. I don't know. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how they, I don't know, I don't know how they worked it all out, but they said $64, but the cost is going to go up. But 
I'll be honest with you, even if the cost was $10 more, I mean, I'm not going to notice necessarily the $10 for my family right now. Some people will, but, uh, you know, you got to plan early. I mean, dude, Thanksgiving is day after tomorrow. I hope you've got most of your stuff already. I hope you got it already. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> just, just be prepared. Thanksgiving's going to cost just a wee bit more today than it did last year. So, you know, plan accordingly, I guess is uh, what I'm saying. Plan accordingly. Uh, also, big news. Um, we actually talked about this. The uh, We actually talked about this, I think, during the commercial breaks the other day because I was on the early adopter list. I had signed up for... <clears throat> Starlink high-speed internet, um, gosh, I think it was two years ago, I think is when I signed up for it. Maybe three? Uh, I can't remember. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, Starlink has just marked the availability of the state of Alaska as open and available. Um, And that means Starlink is now delivering uh, broadband service across the state of Alaska. Now, somebody, uh, one of my listeners heard about it and um, uh, had heard, had heard our discussion about it because I was looking for my, uh, I was, I was looking for my notification to say, Hey, your order's about to ship. And I did find it and I did pay the balance and I am expecting to have high speed internet here shortly. Uh, Jay though, uh, he, uh, he uh, emailed in to me and said, hey, Michael, you mentioned Starlink, and I'm surprised you hadn't been notified. I and a friend got service two weeks ago here in Fairbanks. He reported, though, that it is still a spotty service since the constellation is only half done, the constellation of satellites. There's going to be satellites over the state of Alaska, all low-Earth orbit satellites all around the state of Alaska. He says, right now, it's a little frustrating to watch something live, uh, but for the most, but for the most, the videos, uh, the buffer cover the regular outages, but there are occasional 10 to 40 minute outages where there are no satellites in orbit over Alaska. He says, I'm not canceling my other internet yet, but at the rate SpaceX is launching, it shouldn't be too long. So he has already received his and is already, uh, uh, and is already uh, using it right now, which is kind of exciting. I mean, this is a this is a huge leap forward, especially in many areas where you are restricted with no competition. I mean, you basically got to you know, you you basically got to tell GCI and and you know sign your life's blood over to them to get a speed of internet that is even you know that is half what it needs to be. Um, it, uh, it is, uh, you know, even here at the old radio ranch, I spend, uh, 200 something dollars a month to get the highest speed that they have available. And even this morning, I'm seeing that I'm having stability issues in the broadcast onto the, uh, um, onto the, uh, onto the internet broadcasting onto Facebook and YouTube. I see that, I mean, I should be getting I should be just screaming out there because it's six o'clock in the morning and nobody else should be up for the most part using their, a lot of their internet. And even I'm having problems here. So I'm really looking forward to what Starlink, um, could bring to the table. So we'll see what that looks like here 
in the uh, we'll see what that looks like here uh, in the near future. But that is some good news. So if you live in an area that has some, uh, you know, iffy, um, uh, iffy Internet connectivity or anything else, this might be a service that you might want to look into. Now, the initial investment's a little higher than what you'd get from GCI, where they provide all the stuff and things. Um, but it, the one-time hardware cost is $599, and then you'll have to pay $110 a month, but you will get one gig down and half a gig back up, which is a huge, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty huge, pretty huge stuff. So, uh, anyway, good news for those of us who are living on the edge and want to, uh, and want to, uh, uh, get a little bit more high-speed internet stuff. All right, uh, so we're going to, um, I guess that's the stories that I wanted to get to this morning. I got a couple other ones that I want to talk about, including Alaska's overall economic performance. You saw this report, right, that came out a couple days ago from the University of Alaska talking about how we basically rank at the bottom. (laughs) I mean, we're at 50 and 51, including D.C., 50 and 51 and 50 and 49 and 51. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a good report. We're going to get to that later on this morning. Maybe Brad will touch on it as well. Uh, but that is uh, that's where we're at. We're up against the break. So let's go, let's go do our thing, shall we? And we'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We'll return with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Brad Keithley's our guest right here on The Michael Luke Show. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Brian says $64 wouldn't even cover the, uh, what the hell? Uh, $64 wouldn't even cover the bourbon for Thanksgiving. That's true. That's true. Depends on how much you're drinking, but yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, I see a couple people have said that the audio is skipping. Audio's wonky. I know. Uh, when I launched the show the morning, it says connection is unstable. If you're on Wi-Fi, try plugging into. I'm not on Wi-Fi. I'm directly connected to the interwebs. I don't know, man. Sometimes this GCI stuff just, I don't know. It's supposed to be hyper, it's supposed to be super stable. I mean, I've got the whole, I got, like I said, the biggest thing you can get, biggest thing you can get, and still not reliable. Um, yeah, you could try it on, uh, you could try it on, on YouTube and see if it gets any better. I don't know if it will. I mean, I don't know if I just need to re this. The problem is, is restarting the broadcast is not going to help because I need to restart my internet router and that takes longer than a commercial break to be able to do. So, uh, anyway, let's get, uh, let's get over to Brad Keithley from Alaskans for sustainable budgets and see if we can pull this thing together, see what's going on. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Uh, how are you doing this morning? Michael, I'm doing great. Uh, the internet is a little wonky. It's even a little wonky at my house. So, oh, is it? 
Well, maybe um, uh, we'll, we'll see how we do. Yeah, maybe it's a maybe it's a full on all GCI thing. Uh, maybe all the GCI connections are uh, are a little wonky this morning. I notice there's a bit of a delay between me asking you a question and you talking. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of a delay. That's a that's a, almost that's a that's a 25 <laughs> I, second delay. I, that's not a good delay. I, I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long delay. All right, so um, well, you can you know you at least can edit me that way. Yeah, well, makes it easier to answer questions. That's the uh, that's the thing. All right, um, <clears throat> yeah, you need to jettison the warp core and separate the saucer section, says uh, Jim. That's for you, Star Trek buffs. There. Um, all right, well, we're gonna we'll 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 do we'll deal with it as best we can, I guess. This morning, this is uh, this is how good. Uh, this is how good the interwebs are this morning. So uh, we'll jump into it. Uh, Brad, you want to comment on the uh, reporting? So you, 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 you. you, you were the one that mentioned Starlink. Yeah, yeah, I was the one. <laughs> I to see make. some guy at GCI go with a button. Yeah, exactly. Uh, GCI just pushes the button, and uh, yeah, the guy says, "Oh, he's talking about quitting. Let me fix him right now." Um, the, uh, are you going to talk a little bit, <laughs> you going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the report from the, uh, the economic report from the, uh, university? Oh, I'm going to talk a lot about that yeah. in the second segment. Good, good. Um, there, there are some things about that report that talk about the internet being wonky. There's some things in that report that are wonky. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, Harold just said GCI is having major issues in their system. We're at under 10 megabits per second. It's usually close to six to 800. So it's not just me. It's not just you, Brad. Apparently it is the whole system. So, uh, folks, um, be patient. All of us. Yeah. Together. It's all of us together. We're all in this together. Be patient and, um, uh, I'll, uh, we'll see what it goes on to. So I'm going to have to work out a secret code with Brad because there's a 20 second delay here. And, uh, I'll just say, uh, um, I don't know. Let me see. I'll just say, uh, uh, camel. And as I say, camel, Brad, you know, you, you that I'm about to, <laughs> You know that you should start talking because that I'm going to wrap up in the next 15 seconds when I say camel. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. Um, uh, Richard says, every, every, everybody's all for it. Richard says, I'm a retired fiber installer for the lower 40 originally. I think with any luck, Starlink will be a game changer. Sharing a coax cable with LED itself will slow down stuff as you're sharing your bandwidth. Hopefully it'll change. I hope so as well. All right, here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense radio. Let's do it. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, Tuesday edition. That means the weekly top three. We were just talking with folks in the chat room this morning, and apparently uh, GCI is currently, speaking of internet problems, having massive internet problems statewide. 
and that has led to a few problems, uh, including uh, the connection between Brad and I being a little janky this morning. Um, and there's a good good, good delay in here, but uh, we're trying to work it out to where we can uh, make this as smooth as possible. So Brad Keithley's got three big items that we're going to talk about, camels not included. No, we're going to be talking about the economy, we're going to talk about the session, and we're going to talk about Alaska LNG. Brad Keithley, our guest. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Michael. Uh, I'd ask how you're doing, but... It- it would take a long time to figure it out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's uh, so? Let's start off with number one: the uh, the session and what kind of puppeteering you see coming out of the session this year. Oh, good term, good term. Um, puppeteering is a good term. So, I've started to to hear discussions about you know what the what the plan is for the session uh, on both the Senate and the House side in terms of in terms of budget and in terms of how they're going to raise revenue and and there's something that is developed it seems to be developing that that is of concern and I, and people need to be aware of it and people need to start thinking about uh, thinking about it the, the 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 developing plan seems to be to add on to the budget we've sort of already talked about that uh, uh, how uh, going through the field of turning up the dirt of we need to spend more, we need to spend more for K through 12, and then other things being added onto it as a, as it as it makes its way through the session. But on the revenue side, the thing I want to focus on this morning is on the revenue side. On the revenue side, the 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 emerging plan among the coalition seems to be to focus on oil taxes and increasing oil taxes as a way of, of not, not really paying for the budget, but paying for the PFD. There seems to be, there seems to be an, an effort, a thought to directly to the PFD taxes. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kabookie expectation that they're going to be able to raise oil taxes significantly, and thus and thus raise the the PFD or put the PFD at the statutory level, or even at the POMB fifty fifty level that the governor's talked about. I don't think there's an expectation they're going to achieve that, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But it's a way of misdirecting. It's a way of redirecting um, uh, an effort at redirecting people's focus on the PFD away from the legislature. Um, and away from the top 20%, we'll get back to that in a second, um, but focusing it on the oil companies and try to pitch, try to make this a pitched battle or, a, or a, a, between the PFD on the one side and oil taxes on the other. Now, I don't think the oil taxes are going to go in. <laughs> <clears throat> This is uh, this is not fun. Brad is uh, Brad and Brad's breaking up pretty bad here right now. Uh, we're going to uh, see if we can get this to uh, uh, during the session. We're already hearing some of it. Yes. 
Sorry, Brad, you're you you uh, you've been lagging and breaking up really bad, uh, Michael. For, yeah, for a second there. So um, we're gonna wait for everything to catch up for just a second, and we'll let Brad pick back up here. Um, but uh, we had a we had a little bit of a we had a little bit of an internet failure there for a second. As we said this morning, the uh, the GCI is definitely not winning any awards today. So I'm sorry, Brad. You broke up in the middle of what you were saying. And, uh, and we lost a big chunk of it. So come back. Uh, so come back for just a second and let's, uh, let's start again here. Just rewind for <laughs> rewind, rewind about one point. Any idea where I started breaking yeah. up? <laughs> rewind one point back and, and let's, uh, let's start. That was when the governor had a plan and, and there's no idea whether or not it's going to, uh, uh to be actually be accomplished. Oh, Okay. So, so the, 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 the goal seems to be, or the, 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 the preliminary plan seems to be to pitch the, the PFD against oil taxes, to, to, to argue that you can have increased, an increased PFD if we increase oil taxes, not, not otherwise. And, and, and that's for a number of reasons. One, it's to protect spending. I mean, if, if, if the, you had a side battle going on between the PFD and oil taxes here at the side, What's going on with the with the permanent fund earnings in the meantime? Well, they're spending the permanent fund earnings in the meantime. So it's to protect spending, protect using the permanent fund earnings for uh, uh, for spending and, and increased spending. And it's also to protect the top twenty percent. But but here's but here's the the reason I think it's Kabuki Theater. In the middle of the session, we're going to hear a lot about uh, uh, Conoco's Willow Project and a lot about Oil Search's Pika Project, Santos's uh, Pika Project, and how they need reliability, stability, durability of the, of the fiscal situation in order to develop those projects. Those projects are big in terms of not only the production they can, they can bring to the game, but also in terms of the jobs and in terms of the construction activity that will go on on the North Slope uh, if, those, uh, if those projects come, uh, come into being. So what we're going to have this session is this whole this whole. I keep saying Kabuki theater, but that's what it's going to be. This whole Kabuki theater going on over here about, oh, yeah, we want to increase the PFD, but we have to increase oil taxes to do it. And then the pushback from the resources industry and the oil companies saying, well, we can't do that or else we're going to we're going to spoil uh, uh, the Willow Project and the Pika Project. Um, and in an effort, uh, an effort to, to to keep that whole issue confined out there and ultimately I think the expectation is ultimately it loses. Ultimately, we don't increase oil taxes. Uh, and so people will use that as an excuse for not raising the PFD. In the meantime, what's gone on is the permanent fund earnings have been diverted to spending. Spending has gone up. There's not a, they're, 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 they've tried to avoid the debate about the, uh, about the PFD fitting into the earnings stream as the, as the statute uh, provides. And... The top 20 percent has been protected. E- even if oil taxes pass, even if an increase in oil taxes would pass, governor will veto it. But even if an oil an increase in oil taxes would pass, and the governor signed it, and that was the basis upon which um, uh, increased spending occurred, or the increased PFD, as some will argue, who's not paying in that scenario? The top 20 percent. They're, they've been able to avoid all of this. So it's, so it's, it's, um, this, this session is, is shaping up to be theater. It's shaping up to be uh, an effort to avoid 
uh, a focus on increased spending by having all this sideshow going on between oil taxes and the PFD. And it's an effort to divert the anger or the, or the, the frustration that people otherwise will feel about uh, the failure to, 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 to provide a PFD and the, and the pushback that the oil companies give, uh, give to oil taxes. It's not, it's not shaping up to be a, to be a responsible legislative session. It's, it's shaping up to be more a theater to try to hide what's really going to be going on in terms of spending and where the, where the revenues for that spending is coming from. Now, that's not to say that there is not a um, that there is not some taxation or some things that there's not some money left on the table with the oil companies. You and I have talked about that in the past. This is not a zero sum game, um, but they are not going to be serious about making those changes at all because either they know the governor's going to veto it or maybe they go through the motions to, as you said, to Kabuki Theater to make sure the governor's going to veto it. There is some money still on the table. It just is probably not going to be, uh, it's probably not going to match the amount that a lot of people or the demagogues are out there screaming about from the rooftops of a billion dollars a year or something like that. It's, you know, maybe a few hundred million dollars, which would make a difference. But again, nobody's serious about really fixing this at this problem. Is that right? Yeah, there, Michael, there, there is some money left on the table. Even the administration admits that. Um, uh, it, when you look at, at their revenue proposals uh, or the revenue sheets they put together over time, even the administration realizes that, there, that there's money left on the table. But there's one good way to kill getting that money, and that is to overreach. That is to say, well, instead of, instead of trying to fix the Hillcourt problem, which is about $100 million a year, and trying to to make some adjustments to the to the to the progress progressivity of uh, of of the of the of the, sli- the slider on oil taxes instead of trying to fix those in a way that would still keep the oil companies competitive still keep uh, uh, an incentives for investment in the state instead of doing that what what the expectation is or what some's expectation is is that is that people will wipe out all the oil and gas tax credits uh, and will raise revenue that way. Well, that, that, that project. So one way to one way to make sure that this whole debate fails, this whole Kabuki theater sidebar debate fails, is to overreach, and 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 for and for the less pay more. And are responsible. It makes it easy for the oil companies to fight back that way. If it somehow slips through the legislature for the governor to veto it, be cuffed on the table. There's so months ago about money left on the table. There is money left on the table that the getting that is to overreach and to and to try to change the statutes in a way that uh, that uh, uh, results in in so are you saying that <clears throat> are you saying that the overreach by the legislature and I just want to rephrase what you're saying because I think some people lost some of the uh, some of the audio there but 
So what you're saying is they are going to intentionally overreach as a way to, one, shame the governor, force him to veto it, two, not really solve the problem because they like a crisis at this point, and, th- and you know, three, because they want to protect that top 20% spend, they are going to continue. This is like that again, the Jack Sparrow running back and forth across the ship. We always go too far and we end up rolling the ship over because instead of doing it in smaller increments, we're all it's always all or nothing. Is that what you're is that what we're saying here? Uh it it's part of it. I mean I All right, we just lost. We just lost. Brad. I'm sure it fails, uh, which is is for reach, and and to and to and to make it to uh, make it a big talking out our incentive. All right, our response responsible legislators would say we need to we need to take it an an increment. Uh, at a time, uh, Brad Keithley's our guest. We're going to take a uh, we're going to take a break because I I keep losing Brad's audio, and so we're going to try and fix that during the break and come back because I want to I really want to hear all of what Brad is talking about. So we're going to uh, take a quick one, and when we come back, we'll continue with two and three. Maybe we'll see if we can keep Brad over a little bit longer because I might have to rehash some of the stuff that we just went over. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure that you come out and check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. And, of course, on YouTube and live around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com. Back with more and Brad Keithley right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, so here's uh, here's the problem. My internet is apparently getting so bad that I can't um, I can't hear about half of what brad is saying apparently you guys are uh um is you guys are part of the problem and this is a problem with gci um right now this is not just me this is everybody that's having a problem with gci this is a connectivity issue so brad um i'm gonna let you pontificate for a minute because i left the cable for my telephone down in my briefcase so I'm going to call you on the phone, and we could still use the video, but we'll use the audio from the telephone. So I'm going to put you up on the screen, and uh, you can uh, you can share with folks again anything else you'd like to share on number two before we come back to it. So uh, we might repeat this morning, but that's just uh, how life is going to be. So Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It's all you, baby.
morning. Good morning, my friend. All right. Let's see if we can get this uh, all squared away here on the uh, on the big radio broadcast. Folks, thanks for uh, <clears throat> thanks for coming on board. Brad Keithley, Alaskans with Four Sustainable Budgets, here is our guest. I know everybody said that Brad was flawless, but I was bad. Yada yada yada. The problem is is that uh, what is broadcast on the radio is what I hear, not what you hear on the internet. What I hear is what is being broadcast, and I was losing Brad about every <clears throat> about every three seconds. I'd lose five seconds worth of audio. So we're going to try this. Uh, we're going to try this a little bit of a better way here. And I had to go out and get my. I had left my phone cable downstairs, unfortunately, but uh, we're all squared away, and Brad is now ready to go. So you all ready, Brad? I am. Uh, uh, back to old technology, huh? Yeah, back to old technology. Uh, apparently, I came back to the studio and you had dropped off, so I don't know what was going on, but you apparently had dropped off the uh, the uh, thing there. So um, we're ready to go, and uh, we're ready to pick this back up. Are, can you stay with us over the top of the hour for another few minutes? Is that a problem? Or? Sure, sure. Yeah, because I, 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 I hate to repeat, but we didn't get about half of that, so... We'll restart with what we got here. We're 15 seconds out. Uh, hold the line. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Let's get to it. Here we go. All right, uh, we're continuing now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Apologize uh, for you folks uh, who were trying to listen on the radio here earlier with Brad's connection and everything else. Apparently, we were just saying and uh, just finding out that people across the state right now are having a. Uh, there's apparently GCI is having a, <clears throat> a lot of issues this morning, uh, a lot of connectivity issues. So we've gone back to do it the old-fashioned way which, of course, is via the telephone. Uh, Brad Keithley uh, joins us right now. Brad, let me just summate a little bit on number one, and then you can finish up your thoughts, and, and you're going to stick with this over the top of the hour, so we'll get to two, and then we can do three after the top of the hour. But uh, on number one, the bottom line is, one, the politicians really don't want to fix what's wrong because it allows them, of course, any crisis is good. They're not going to fix the oil taxation issue because they're going to have a propensity to go all in and try and eliminate all the oil and gas tax credits, which will in and of itself stifle production instead of doing it uh, small bits and pieces at a time and going up to that four or $500 million mark. And the top 20% is still not going to pay. That's the bottom line. Am I, am I summating it properly? Yep, you are. Uh, basically, it's, a, it's an effort. Uh, to get through this session, to create the rep, to, to use the permanent fund earnings to fund current and additional spending, additional spending for K through 12 and elsewhere. Um, and, but to avoid that becoming a big PFD issue and the, F, and, and the way that some are thinking of avoiding the big PFD issue is to file an oil tax bill, pursue an oil tax bill and say, you want a big PFD, then you've got to, then you've got to support uh, this big oil tax bill, and if the big oil tax bill doesn't pass, or if the governor vetoes it uh, in the event it does pass, 
then that's why you didn't get your PFD. Not that we diverted a bunch of the permanent fund earnings. This is legislators talking. Not that we diverted a bunch of earnings over to uh, support current and increased spending. You didn't get your PFD because the oil companies wouldn't let you or the governor vetoed uh, whatever oil tax bill, uh, over oil tax bill we got through. It's an effort to divert attention away from the real issue, which is that, there's, that they're still proposing to tax the PFD, tax permanent fund earnings by diverting them from the, from the statutory purpose of the PFD over to government spending. It, it's an effort to divert attention from that and, and focus your attention, some focus Alaskans' attention, you know, squirrel, uh, in an effort to do a squirrel move, focus their attention uh, uh, someplace else. Which, uh, of course, uh, this leads right back to what I've been saying to many of the politicians and many of the candidates over the last uh, three months, which is I really don't think that they want to fix this issue of the PFD and everything else because it puts them in the catbird seat. Well, they don't want to fix the issue for two reasons, Michael. One, they want to use the revenues to, to fund government. And two, they just they, they don't want to tax the top 20 percent. They're very comfortable taxing middle and lower income Alaska families by cutting the PFD. They've, they've established that now as a president, Governor Walker established it in, 20, in 2016. The legislature's followed it since. They're very comfortable taking money out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. But they don't wanna pass something that says tax and they don't wanna pass something that affects the top 20%. So they're, they're, they're creating this theater um, uh, the thought process is to create this theater to divert attention away from uh, from that issue. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. This this uh, marries up into uh, uh, number two on the weekly top three, which is, of course, the economy and this latest report that is out from uh, the University of Alaska Anchorage talking about uh, how our overall economic performance is among the worst in the nation and has been for several years. But you're finding some issues with some of the research here. Well, if you if you look at the numbers that that they cite, uh, it's an oil issue. It's 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 oil revenues are down. Oil production is is down from what it once used to be. Oil prices are down from what they uh, they once were. Total oil revenues are down, and that's and that's what drives Alaska GDP. Very there's very little else that contributes to Alaska GDP: gross gross domestic product, gross state product. And so when, when you look at these numbers. You, yes, Alaska is down, but so is Wyoming, so is Louisiana, so is so is North Dakota, and so is Oklahoma. All states that are highly resource uh, dependent on resources for uh, uh, for uh, their revenues. Another state that's down is West Virginia, also another state that's highly dependent. In their case, coal uh, to some degree, natural gas anymore, but uh, highly resource dependent uh, for their uh, for their revenues as well. So it's not a it's not that Alaska somehow stands out because <coughs> because you know our, our economy is is failing. It's because our economy is so dependent on oil. What there, there's there's two ways in which this economic study is being set up to be used in the in the next session. One is to justify increased spending, government spending on other things. The argument will be our economy's down. The way to get our economy up is spending on education, both K through 12 and higher education, spending on on other things, improving the quality of life in Alaska, uh, which you know translates into more government spending. 
And so this, this study is, is being used as a setup for those who want to increase spending. They'll use it as a baseline to argue that, uh, that we need to increase spending in other ways to, to pull Alaska up from, uh, from, the, from the depths that we're in. The other thing the study is going to be used for, and I don't, <laughs> it, it's, it's sort of an offshoot of what the, of what the original purpose was, but it's going to be used by the oil companies, by Conoco and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Oil Search and others to argue, look, I mean, Alaska's economy is oil. And we've got these two great projects out here. We've got Pika uh, from the oil search standpoint, and we've got Willow from the Conoco standpoint. And you want Alaska to be to, to get off the bottom, which is where the report says it, it is. Then we need to invest in in these projects. Those project these projects will come with additional jobs, with additional private sector uh, activity in terms of in terms of third party contractors helping out um, uh, 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 in, investment. Uh, on the North Slope, and so if you want to, if you want to get off, off off the bottom, then we need to maintain the oil company, the the oil industry, and that's a reason that's going to be used as a reason then to push back on oil taxes. So this study is a setup. <laughs> this this and 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 other discussions about Alaska's economic uh, situation is a setup for the coming session. A to try to justify uh, increased government spending, but B. It'll also be used by the oil companies to push back on the effort to increase oil taxes. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. The uh, the numbers in here are pretty scary, uh, but as you're saying, a lot of this goes right back to the fact that we're losing oil production and that trickle-down effect from employment and subcontractors and other private sectors, support industries and things like that. You're saying a lot. I mean, this is all connected. And, of course, this also doesn't really mention or take into account the effect of the recession to begin with. But this is all it's all connected at this point. Yeah, it, it is, Michael. And it's and it's and, and, and those who are going to say, oh, we need more government spending on K through 12 or on higher ed in order to offset offset this, this situation. There's no there's no direct link. They can't show they're not going to be able to show that if we do spend more on those activities, that that's going to lift. <coughs> excuse me, that that's going to lift Alaska off the bottom. But they're but but what they're going to say is we're on the bottom now. Here's an idea about how we might get ourselves off the bottom. Additional government spending in all of these in all of these areas, and so we ought, we ought to try it. We ought to try additional government spending in all these areas. At the same time as this Kabuki theater is going on about the PFD, the PFD somehow being linked to oil taxes. So it's it's all <coughs> excuse me. It's all feeding into this next legislative cycle and setting up the argument that we need to spend more but we can't but we can't spend more by taking it out of the oil companies so it's going to have to come out of the PFD the 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 one thing not mentioned in that in that whole discussion is the top 20% the top 20% contributing to the costs of the state as well it's all going to be focused on either the oil companies have to pay or the PFD has to pay there's no one else to go to so as we look <laughs> As we look at this, uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. As we look at this, we come to realize that really the end game here, and I mean, I, I kind of want to just from the 10,000-foot view, the end game is the complete and total subsumption of, of, of the PFD, right? I mean, that's exactly – they're going to absorb it all, and then where will we be? 
because they're going to if, if this is if spend is the answer and the only source is the PFD once that's gone the appetite for spending is not going to go away right so what happens then yeah rob myers rob myers has done has done some good good thought on this and basically it's, then we go to taxes now it's going to take them a while to run through the PFD it's going to take them i mean it took us a decade to run through all of our savings they're they're going to they're going to keep a little bit of the PFD each year to sort of say, well, we tried, you know, we really fought hard for middle and lower income Alaska families. And this is, this is, you know, we, we, we saved this much of the PFD. And so it's going to take a while to run through all that, but at the end of it, we end up with taxes. Um, and, and, and then, you know, we finally get to the point where the top 20% are paying are contributing to the cost of government and they start pushing back on, on, on spending levels, but we're at much higher spending levels uh, at that point. And the PFD, the middle and lower, the taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families has been complete and, they, and we've diverted all of it to government. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. About a minute here, Brad, you want to uh, you want to wind up on number two? Well, number two and number one are the same. Yes, Alaska has economic issues, but those economic issues are tied to oil. Pika and Willow give us an opportunity to sort of work our way up from from the from the the economic issues that uh, that we've got right now, um, and and we need to and we need to prioritize those. Those are good projects. There are going to be a lot of jobs. There's going to be a lot of activity. We need we need to, to focus on those and and encourage those. But what others what what others are going to do is they're going to use these studies as a justification for in- increasing K through 12 spending, increasing. Uh, higher ed spending, increasing spending in a number of areas, saying that that's going to rise the uh, uh, cause the Alaska economy to rise. But think about it for a moment. That argument is government is the solution. More yeah. government, yep. more government spending is the which, solution. Which is what we've been fighting about here for years on this program. It's the narrative. Only through the direct benevolent intervention of government can we succeed. Brad Keithley is going to continue with us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. This is the this is the whole problem in a nutshell, Brad. People who only think that society can move forward with direct benevolent intervention of government, i.e. spending, is what it's all about. And quite honestly, in looking back at what's gone on in this election, Brad, uh, I don't know if you heard the show last week after you got off the air with me, but um, I started asking the question of, you know, what are we doing wrong? What are those of us that are smaller government conservatives, what are we doing wrong? And maybe... Just maybe we need to change our tune. Maybe we need to just go on and we should just turn 180 degrees instead of just saying cuts, cuts, cuts. Maybe we should just advocate for a tax now. Just advocate for a tax now to get it done. And, of course, that raised a lot of ire in the chat room. But some people some people were like, okay, let's do that. Let's try anything. And, of course, there was an article from um, – uh, Alexander uh, at the University of Alaska, Icer. He has got a several, uh, uh, J- James Alexander, he's got several different parts talking about how because we're not being taxed, government is, the growth of government is out of control and it's all tied, it's tied to nothing because we have no control over it because we're not paying for it. It makes some interesting arguments and I, I don't know if you've read any of his things, but it he definitely makes some interesting arguments. It's the whole idea of not taxation without representation, but representation without taxation. Yeah, Michael, I, I, I have read his stuff. Here's here's the deal. Here's what people miss. We are being taxed. Yeah. PFD cut PFD cuts are a tax. 
There are attacks on middle and lower income Alaska families. What's missing here is an equitable tax, a tax that reaches all Alaska families and creates an incentive in all Alaska families to push back on spending. We're not going to win if it's just middle and lower income Alaska families that are feeling the hit and that are pushing back on spending. If the top 20% can be agnostic or, or, or just ignore the fact that spending is going on because they're not having to pay for it, we're never, we're never going to win on pushing back. So the problem isn't as much that we aren't being taxed. We are being taxed. The problem is the tax isn't broad-based and isn't affecting all Alaska families in the same way. Well, I would agree with that. So my question was, and it goes back to my question of, what do we do differently, Brad? Because we fought this battle. You and I have been fighting this battle for going on seven years now. Uh, I've been fighting it in a, in a similar vein for going on 20 years. And we don't seem to be making really any headway. I mean, we've changed out the players. We've changed out nearly half the legislature. And yet we keep putting the same kind of yahoos back in there who are basically looking to government to solve everything. And so the question becomes, we could stand in the middle of the road with our hand out saying, halt, no more spending, and then the bus just runs us over. I mean, it's just all that it, all that it does. So maybe the answer is to flip 180 degrees and just start saying, you know what we need? We need a, we need a fair and equitable tax for everybody. That's what we're advocating, and that will, that will reduce government spending, maybe. Yeah, to I mean, me, I don't know. to me. Well, to me, the argument I've been making since 2017 now is we shouldn't be spending more. We shouldn't have to tax. But if we're going to tax, then everybody, all Alaska families ought to have skin in the game. All Alaska families ought to be responsible equitably for the tax. And by engaging the top 20 percent, by making them feel the same pain, the same economic effect that middle and lower income Alaska families are having to feel through PFD cuts by engaging the top 20 percent and getting them to push back on spending, uh, then I then I think we have a chance of, of bringing spending under control. But as long as the top 20% don't have to pay, as long as they can sit off on the sidelines and, and, and use their political capital to make sure that if there are, is payment, it's the middle and lower income Alaska families that have to do it through PFD cuts. As long as the top 20% can, can set off to the side, then, then we're not gonna get spending under control. So it's, it's a two-step. One, we shouldn't be spending more but if we're going to be spending more, the cost of it ought to be spread equitably across all Alaska families. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely raised some ire in the chat room. Any discussion on um, on uh, additional taxes has raised some ire. But at this point, Brad, I just don't know what to do. I'm throwing anything against the wall uh, just to try and think of how do we move the needle? How do we move the needle back to where, you know, to where everybody is equitable, you know, everybody is equal in this in this game of chance? You're right. I mean, we're we're being taxed. Uh, Harold is right. We're we're already some of the heaviest tax people in the nation. We just don't see it. And because we don't see it, we don't feel it. We're disconnected from it. And everybody's like, no, that's just must be the way it is. And I just don't know how to put people um I just don't know how to put you know put people first in this regard. I just don't know how well, to get them engaged in that. Well, I think I think Michael one way that I've tried to do over time is instead of referring to it as PFD cuts, we talk about it as a PFD tax. I mean, one one of the one of the reasons one one of the reasons that we don't have a lot of engagement that people push back and say we aren't being taxed and we don't want to be taxed is they don't realize the tax that we're paying. 
in terms of PFD cuts. So I think we ought to be I think we ought to be upfront and talk about the PFD PFD cuts as a tax, the PFD tax. And then the question is, we are being taxed, middle and lower income Alaska families are being taxed much more heavily than upper than than the top 20%. If we're going to be taxed and we are being taxed, then that that burden ought to be spread equitably and it ought to be spread in a way that gets non-residents as well. I mean, one of the things about PFD cuts is we only take money from Alaskans. We leave seven to ten percent of of government costs on the ta- that that could be paid by non-residents. We leave that we leave that on the table. We don't we don't try to go get that uh, uh, by relying on PFD cuts. So we ought we we ought to recognize we're being taxed that we are paying a tax a PFD tax, uh, and and the question is how do we spread that more equitably to include the top twenty percent and to include non-residents. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to do number three of the weekly top three up next. Don't go anywhere, folks. Um, I don't know how the quality is on the broadcast right now for the Internet, but hopefully it's gotten a little better. Um, We'll see what we can do. Um, We'll be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley, our guest. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome back to the program. It is The Michael Dukes Show. We uh, usually are finished up with Brad Keithley uh, by this time, but um, we had a few technical issues earlier in the show. Apparently, GCI is having problems all over the state, and uh, uh, we lost a little bit of what Brad was talking about, so we revisited it, and that left us with number three still to do, and he has been kind enough to come on board and continue with us to talk about the weekly top three. So we've talked about the session, the economy, which are actually those two things and and two discussions are kind of joined at the hip, Uh, but now let's talk about the future with AKLNG and what does it mean for Alaska? Brad, what are you talking about here? What is, uh, you know, the importing, we're hearing now about the importing of LNG into South Central because we can't be bothered to make our own, yada, yada, yada. Give us the rundown here. Hertz had an article, um, Nat Hertz is writing a blog uh, now, and it's been picked up both in the, in the uh, ADN and then the Alaska Beacon the headlines in the ADN is, could oil-rich Alaska be forced to import natural gas? Two utilities are looking into it. And this is an outgrowth of a statement that Hillcorp, uh, which is the major uh, dominant gas supplier, gas producer in the Cook Inlet, 
made several months ago about uh, about not being comfortable uh, entering into new long-term contracts when the existing long-term contracts uh, run out uh, for natural gas supplies, both to NSTAR, uh, which is the, the natural gas uh, utility that serves homes and uh, arm in the military bases and, and and other areas that use natural gas for for largely for heating. Uh, the contract that Hillcorp has with NSTAR and with Chugach, uh, the main electric supplier to the uh, to the Anchorage Basin um, and to others uh, along uh, along the uh, other electric suppliers along the uh, along the the road system. Um, and and Hillcorp made the statement that they're concerned that that they that they're not comfortable entering into new long-term contracts when the existing contracts expire because uh, they are are not producing uh, uh, as much natural gas, not finding as much natural gas as they uh, as they want. Uh, that's led to uh, the governor uh, uh, starting to emphasize renewables uh, and the electric utility starting to ex- uh, emphasize renewables as a source of power. Uh, for the electric grid, um, and NSTAR uh, uh, now per looking at uh, importing LNG as a supp- as a supply of natural gas, importing LNG into the Cook Inlet as a supply of uh, as a supply of natural gas uh, uh, to to it to service customers. And Chugach is part of that as well. It's also looking at uh, importing LNG into uh, into the Cook Inlet in the event uh, in in the event. Uh, Natural gas supplies aren't sufficient, and renewables don't come on at a pace uh, necessary to supply uh, to, to supply the electric grid. We've been through this before. <laughs> we went through this in 2011, uh, 2010, 2011, 2012. Indeed, some may recall that then Mayor Dan Sullivan convened a blue ribbon panel to look into the potential loss or the potential decline of natural gas supplies uh, in the Cook Inlet, and several things happened around that time to solve the problem. One, Hillcorp replaced uh, Marathon and Unical um, and ultimately ConocoPhillips as, as, as a gas supplier in the Cook Inlet because Hillcorp has a lower uh, uh, operating cost. It was able to justify drilling more than those companies had. And so some additional supply came on as a result of that. And secondly, the legislature passed a series of incentives that essentially uh, 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 subsidized uh, producers for uh, developing uh, additional supplies, mostly captured by Hillcorp because they'd bought out Marathon and and Unical and Conoco, the other suppliers, um, uh, a series of incentives uh, to develop additional supplies. Some (laughs) Some think that this is merely, that Hillcorp's statement is merely a ploy to try to get those credits back, to try to get that, those subsidies uh, back from the legislature uh, to encourage uh, and develop additional gas supplies. That uh, that they're playing a, a long uh, a long game of talking about shortages as a as a means of leveraging the legislature back into recreating those incentives that existed uh, that were passed in the in the in, in 2010, 2011, 20. Uh, 2012. Others believe that Hillcorp's being honest and that there isn't additional supply, um, and that uh, and that we are facing a, a potential shortage in the uh, in the Cook Inlet. In either event, uh, there's a lot of activity now uh, of of looking into uh, bringing LNG uh, into uh, into the Cook Inlet. We have the existing 
LNG plant, the Tesoro bought, well, Mar now Tesoro, then Tesoro, now Marathon, uh, bought the old ConocoPhillips export plant that, uh, that at some cost could be converted into an import plant, um, a regasification plant, or a, a, a reliquifac regasification plant. Um, and uh, and there's some uh, uh, some kit existing in the in the in the Cook Inlet to be able to uh, to do that. Um, it, it's an issue that with that that certainly needs a lot of attention. Uh, hopefully, the legislature just doesn't run off the edge and say, "Oh my gosh, I'm a little concerned about this." Because Kathy Giesel was one of those who led the effort to develop the uh, the, the, the 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 subsidies. Uh, back in the 2011 and 2012 timeframe, and, and it looks like Giesel may be coming back to the legislature. But hopefully the legislature doesn't run off the deep end and say, oh, my gosh, we need to reestablish all these subsidies uh, to encourage uh, additional development. Hopefully we, we are, are thoughtful about how we uh, how about how we approach this problem. LNG would uh, importing LNG into the lower into into Cook Inlet would be a would be a shock. I mean, the LNG market isn't what it used to be. It's a lot higher priced as a result of all the activities that have gone on in Europe, the shutdown of the Russian supply into Europe, the, the, the conversion of Europe now to, to looking to, uh, to LNG supplies in the world as a source of, as a source of gas uh, coming, into, uh, coming into Europe. Uh, LNG prices are a lot higher than they used to be. There are a lot Asian, Asian LNG prices, which is what Alaska LNG would look like, are a lot higher than the, than the existing uh, prices. Um, but it's it's a it's an issue that that needs to be addressed, needs to be thought about, needs to be uh, uh, confronted and 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 analyzed. Um, my hope is simply that we just don't run off the deep, that the legislature doesn't run off the deep end uh, uh, in the process and and recreate all these subsidies that uh, were such a were such a burden uh, the last time. We we spent the state in in terms of subsidies spent about two billion dollars. Uh, uh, to uh, to help subsidize the Cook Inlet uh, gas industry, and I'm not sure we need to. I'm not sure we need to go down that road again yet. So, I mean, your personal opinion on whether or not the reporting from Hill Corp is just posturing or is true? I mean, do you see it? Uh, do you see it being possible either way, or do you have a definite? Uh, do you have a definite belief in what they're saying right now with the with the the lack of of gas so far? When we when we hit this issue back in 2011 and 2012, there were several studies that the Department of Natural Resources did that suggested there was a, there was additional gas supplies in the Cook Inlet. We just hadn't found them yet, um, and and part of the reason for the subsidies was to encourage going out and developing these additional, the, exploring for and finding these additional gas supplies. We never really did that. What we did was just sort of scrape the rocks harder. Uh, in the existing fields that we had, uh, and we never found these additional. We never, we never really made the effort to find these additional supplies. So I'm not. I, I, we we've never really fully resolved the 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 analysis that was done back in 2011 and 2012 about whether there is additional supplies out there. Some people argue, well, you know, Biden has shut down federal waters, and so we're never going to find these supplies. The Cook Inlet doesn't start federal waters until way the heck out there, um, and so I don't. That's not that's not what the issue is. The issue is whether the Cook Inlet Basin, the state waters, the Cook Inlet state waters, have been fully explored. Um, and and the conclusion in 2011, 2012 was that they hadn't been. 
So we created these subsidies to go do it, but that's never really, that was not really how they were used. Um, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic when somebody says, well, we're out of gas, we're not going to develop anymore. Um, good luck, you're on your own. We're not going to renew contracts. I'm a skeptic about whether that is just a ploy to uh, try to restart these subsidies again uh, or, uh, or it's the truth. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know which it is, uh, and, uh, and I think we need, need to do some additional work to figure out which it is. Isn't isn't there an argument here that if we truly are having a, you know, if we truly are facing an LNG shortage that, I mean, we've got, you know, 1.7 trillion cubic feet of gas on our slope. Shouldn't we be looking for ways to either, you know, bring it around the horn from ourselves or get a gas line or doesn't this open the door for that at least? Or is it just... It, it- Go ahead. It, it does, Michael, and and there's certainly certainly that effort. But the the honest truth is, uh, unless we get export contracts, unless we have a deal for export export contracts, the volume ex, big volume export contracts from Alaska North Slope, just building down from the North Slope down to supply just Fairbanks and and and, and Anchorage um, is so costly. I mean, the amount of kit per unit. Uh, that the fat cost is so costly that frankly it's cheaper to import LNG. So yes, that certainly. I mean, wh- what it does is is solidify that there is an in-state market for gas, but the in-state market itself is not enough to justify the expense. It'd be cheaper to go to. It'd be cheaper even at today's prices. It'd be cheaper cheaper to go to imported LNG. So. It, it puts a it puts a, a an emphasis on finding those export markets, and 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 hoping to to you know develop those export markets. But that's what's got to happen to make the to make the North Slope projects work. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, I guess final thoughts on this. Um, I mean, what what do you think is going to happen? Is it with with the fact that maybe Kathy Geisel gets back? Do you see this uh, working in their regard, or I mean, what what do you say? I, I see some beginning to to, to make the uh, try the effort to develop these subsidies again. Um, I see uh, I, I see you know I see continued focus on renewables and developing renewables as a way of getting uh, the power plants, the the electric providers off the off of natural gas or reduce their uh, their dependence on natural gas. I see some continued analysis of LNG filing filing for per- permits doesn't cost that much to file for the permits to to uh, to to try to develop the ability to import LNG. Uh, I even see studies about you know how how would we convert the uh, the now marathon uh, LNG plant into an import plant. Um, I see you know all of those continuing to go down continuing to go down the road, but at the same time. I ho- I'm hopeful that DNR gets digs back into the data that it had in 2011 and 2012 and figures out whether there's additional, there are in fact additional supplies in the Cook Inlet. It's just the lack of drilling uh, that, that has caused them not to be developed. And then think about ways about, short of the subsidies, the level of subsidies we did last time, think about ways to, uh, to encourage the development of those supplies. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. You can find him at ak4sb.com. Also on Facebook. Brad, final thoughts here. Well, Michael, it's, uh, <clears throat> we're heading into a long legislative session. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of kabuki theater uh, involved in that session. Uh, 
uh, from the standpoint of trying to divert attention away from the fact that that more of the permanent fund earnings are going to be diverted into government. Um, I, and and there's going to be an increased emphasis on spending, possibly uh, increasing Cook Inlet uh, subsidies as a way of, uh, of 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 increasing as a as a form of increasing spending there as well. So it's going to be a long legislative session, but people need to be thinking through. There's going to be a lot of theater involved in this session, and and they need to separate the theater from the reality uh, of what's uh, of what's going on. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, we appreciate you uh, coming on board and joining us this morning. Hold the line for a second. Folks, we're out of time. We got more. Chris Story coming up next. Um, I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about, but he's been rereading Atlas Shrugs. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what kind of madness that brings to the table. That's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. And Brad Keithley is our guest here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, final, just final question here, Brad. So two things. First of all, um, what about exporting gas uh, and and tanking it from the North Slope down to the Cook Inlet? Versus building a multi-billion-dollar, you know, uh, feeder pipeline. What instead? What about instead of you know a tidewater to tidewater uh, doing that? Is that even on the discussion board, or is that too technically difficult? It has been in the past, Michael. There's two issues with it. One has been sea ice, um, and 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 that's <clears throat> that may be less of a problem than the last time uh, uh, I saw it uh, heavily su- uh, studied. But the other problem is the 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 ocean up there is very is fairly shallow, um, and the the problems uh, associated with uh, either uh, uh, trying to figure out how you can get shallow enough boats, no one's ever been able to do that, or dredging the issues that would be created by dredging your way out of uh, of the of that of those shallow waters, has always been a big issue. I, it's not that the it's not that the companies haven't looked at it; they have. I mean. They want to. They want the lowest cost option. If there's a. If there would be a way of shipping out of there, um, uh, that would be a. That would be a great thing to do. Uh, there's also been some discussion in the past. Now that we're making Nome into a deep water port or into a port, there's also been some discussion in the past. Instead of building the line down to the Cook Inlet, uh, to build the line over to Nome and and to LNG the gas out of Nome. Um, or to some Port Wainwright or, or somewhere uh, along the, the western shore. Um, there's a lot of issues with that. You'd have to go through, you have to build a pipeline through ANWR, um, or not through ANWR, I'm sorry, through NPRA, um, and, uh, and some other issues involved in that. Plus, you wouldn't have direct supply into Fairbanks, which has always been an issue. Plus, you wouldn't have a direct supply into the Cook Inlet. You'd have to bring it around in LNG, and, and the economics of that aren't easy. So it's, um, I am sure that there are people studying that again, uh, uh, but there have been issues more than just sea ice, more, more than just the ice issues. There have been issues with that uh, in the past, and, and I'm not sure anybody's figured out how to resolve them yet. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thank you so much for coming on board and joining us. Always interesting to discuss things with you, and uh, I appreciate you coming and, and uh, talking with us. 
Michael, as always, uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on this morning, and sorry about all the technical difficulties. Maybe we can get this squared away when I get Starling going on. Let's just see if that helps. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. All right, folks, that brings us up to uh, that brings us up to uh, Chris Story, who is calling us right now and uh, is on the line with us. I believe, Mister S- Mister, S- they call him. Mr. Story. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Bringing a smile to my face as always. Oh. You. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Nice Thank you. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. for being part of it and uh, joining us this morning. So you've been reading The Fountainhead uh, or Atlas Shrugged again and uh, getting a little bit of, uh, are you getting a bit of a Galt Gulch feeling here or what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I just, it's a great story. I, I love her, her writing. And uh, I mean, it's good grief. It's an 1100 page tome. So I'm, I'm just scratching the surface and feeling feisty. This is why I, I text you. But, um, but I'm also rereading Faith uh, and Grow Rich, which I try to do every November. It seems like a great month to think about gratitude and definite plans and purpose. And that's what I was hoping to talk about today is kind of, um, yeah, just persistence. Which also yes. is a common theme throughout Atlas Shrugged and all of Ayn Rand's philosophy is, is about persistence and one's own self-reliance. So they, they co-mingle. They go well together. Are it's you like coffee and chocolate. <laughs> coffee and chocolate. Are you, you have your hand over your microphone because you sound like uh, you, you were. How about now? Hey, there you go. I don't know what you were Better? doing. Better? Okay. I don't know what you were doing, but it was bad. Bad. Don't do it ever don't uh, do it don't do it man don't do it all right so we're going to jump back into this we're about uh, 30 seconds out right now chris story is uh, our guest uh and we're going to we're going to talk about thankfulness we're going to talk about thinking and growing rich we're going to talk about atlas shrugged we're going to it's going to be a wide wide-ranging conversation here we go the michael duke show Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's do it all right now. Here we go. All right, Chris Story joins us this morning, the man from Homer. You'll find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. He's a realtor. He's a writer. He's a potter. No, with pottery. I mean, yes. Um, And he does some amazing stuff. But more than anything, what we love about him is that he comes on the show every Tuesday to give us a little bit of a life coaching lesson. I mean, we call him the Tony Robbins of Alaska for a reason. This guy is the guru of positivity. Uh, and uh, today, he's going to share with us a couple things. He's uh, He told me the other day that he's been rereading Atlas Shrugged, so we're going to see some Ayn Rand stuff, I'm sure, pop out this morning. Also, he tries every uh, November to reread Napoleon Hill's famous book, Think and Grow Rich, because it's about Thanksgiving, it's about being thankful, it's about uh, being persistent, and uh, this is the time for that. Chris Story joins us right now. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Michael. On top of the world, as per usual, and the sun is shining. The sun is, sh- I think, just in your mind. Just in your mind, I the had, sun is I shining. I had a great world history 
teachers, which uh, was my sophomore year. His name was G.R. Williams. And um, one day, somebody, it might have been me, I don't remember, somebody had their sunglasses on in the class. And, of course, he said to take them off. And he goes, I understand. He goes, uh, when you're cool, the sun always shines. I get it. Take yeah. When you're cool, the sun <laughs> shines on you 24 hours a day. That's, that's, right. that's exactly Somebody right. Somebody had to say it. Might as well be me. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, Chris, um, we're coming up on Thanksgiving Day here just day after tomorrow. The holiday season, of course, we've got uh, – the uh, the the NaNoWriMo for November. Everybody could write things down and write their take their time to write their 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 life's book. Um, we could be talking about all different kinds of things, but you have had your mind on other aspects. So tell us what you want to talk about today. Well, I I'd like to, as I said, we read books. I don't know. I, I read new books constantly, but I, there's some that I just come back to, and it's like it's like talking with an old friend. Atlas Shrugged is one of them. The Fountainhead is my favorite, I have to say, of Ayn Rand's two big books. Uh, the Fountainhead is the first one I'd ever read. And I, I truly, I just, there's something about Howard Rourke and uh, that philosophy of the ideal man, which is a substitute for person. Don't be offended. Um, but she she didn't mind saying man, the ideal man. It's just, it's a philosophy I love. So anyway, Atlas Shrugged, huge big book. I thought, that's it. I'm going to read it for the winter. Uh, that's my winter escape okay well okay and so but i'm rereading thinking grow rich and napoleon hill said something in in the book on persistence which is a great chapter when you start thinking about what it takes to get through this modern world of ours that's nothing new well he said that if you stopped 100 people on the street probably two at most could tell you exactly not random not uh you know sort of generally speaking but exactly what it is they want in life. Most will say, oh, I want more money, or I want security, I want love, I want happiness, contentment, whatever, very general broad strokes. Everybody can answer that probably, but specifically, what do you want in life? And that question requires the reciprocal, which is what are you willing to give in order to get what it is you say you want? And do right. you have a plan? And so he's got, you know, would you have a timetable? You have a time timetable attached to this. You talked about writing, and it's we've talked about this many times. The importance of actually writing down your plan, if nothing else, but to charge your mind and your brain and cement this this thing, this plan, this goal. So he puts four steps out there of developing personal persistence, how you can develop it, and how, in his words, you can create your own luck. You can make your own major break and of course this book was written think and grow rich was written in 1936 which i think is important to think about the timing the proximate time right right depression and so he was providing a roadmap which millions of people have since used the book still sells hundreds of thousands of copies a year right one to you well i gotta tell you that is really i mean if you were going to boil down think and grow rich to one thing it is it is kind of that concept of you can make your own luck i mean that really Mm -hmm. you know through persistence through mental acuity through through discipline through through habit force i mean all of those things that's essentially what the that's the message behind think and grow rich is that you decide what your own circumstances are ultimately through your actions and your subconscious and everything else. That's what it's all about. And I love Napoleon Hill's willingness. And I think we could all learn something from this. This is a guy who already by 1936 had a lot of fame. 
he had a lot of fame. He'd earned and lost a couple of fortunes starting in the early 20s and uh, was well known, had national uh, syndicated radio program that had disappeared on him. He also had two nationally uh, distributed magazines he, that bearing his name on both of them. So this is a guy who had lost pretty much all of his financial fortune at the time he'd written the book, Think and Grow Rich, but knew the plan, knew the formula. It's a little bit like if you're in a garden, for example, and you bake a beautiful and amazing, delicious cake just in time for the, the, the photo shoot for Gourmet Magazine, and Jeffrey makes a pig of himself, that's her husband, and comes in and makes a pig of himself and eats it all. So what? She's got the recipe. She can make another one just like it. Right. And I think that that's what, he, what Napoleon Hill laid out in Think and Grow Rich is a philosophy and a formula by which anybody at any time, irrespective of the time with which you're using it, can apply it in life and make your fortune, make your contentment come true. Whatever it is that you'd answer that question on the street, like, oh, this is what I want. Definiteness of purpose is the first step towards attaining it. But he said, not just definiteness of purpose, like a real plan, but a burning desire because life will get in the way. All right. Things happen. You get sick. You've got to have not just the plan and a definite purpose, but also a burning desire behind it. Then let's talk about your blueprint for persistence then, or Napoleon Hill's blueprint, uh, blueprint for persistence. Then what, is it, what does it take, Chris? What, what do we, we're, we're all taking notes. What do we need to do? Well, step one is definitely have that definite purpose written down and back it with desire. No why. And I, I think of that as the why. Why? In, in a great book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why, it, it understand where you're going. Nietzsche said you can withstand anything in life if you have a strong enough why. Why are you going after that? Are you sure? Like, if you answer the question, like, oh, I want a million dollars in the bank, can you answer the question why? Can you, why do you want that? Are you sure that's what you want? Have a definite purpose and behind it better be a burning desire. So when you wake up tomorrow morning with a little headache, or you wake up tomorrow and somebody says, are you sure? I don't think you can do that. You could push through it. You can have persistence. Um, I, I like to think about purpose, by the way, is not like I say, okay, yes, you were born to live on purpose and with a purpose. That's, that's become a tagline of my show. It's an underpinning of my own personal philosophy. But that purpose, by the way, is subject to change. Your purpose today can be different than what it might look like tomorrow. Just take, for example, somebody working a full-time job with a family. Are you telling me they don't have more than one purpose? Of course they do. You know, but it's it's a burning desire for an attainment of this thing is what we're talking about. And that is your definite purpose. So have it written down. Understand why you want it. And you better be in love with what it is you want because there are going to be some dark days. And then secondly, he said, to have a plan, a definite plan. Not just a plan like a random general. No, definite plan expressed in continuous action and that's the how so what do you want why do you want it how are you going to go about get, getting it and also enveloped into the philosophy of think and grow rich and i think it's just a smart plan for anybody is to say this is what i want this is how i'm going to get it here's what i'm willing to give in exchange that might be time attention you might have to forego something else over here to put the time into getting what you say you want over there. 
Well, and this all, again, starts with, uh, as we've talked about in the past, a personal assessment of yourself, you know, looking at it, your quiet time, sitting down with a blank piece of paper, what is it that you actually want? And again, be definite about it to uh, yeah. to plan it out, to write it down, that that is important as well. I mean, there's there's power in that. And I, I think that people... I think that people miss that. Um, it, it, I think people miss that, uh, the, the point of you, you have to, the writing it down, that, that factor is in and of itself an act of faith. And it is an mm-hmm. act of, uh, it is an act of doing that your subconscious mind really needs. Um, like you said, most of the time it's amorphous. What's your goals? Well, you know, to be happy or to do this or to, you know, it, it, they're, they're very amorphous. But once you write it down and crystallize it, things can change. Things can really change. For their benefit. Yeah, because, yeah, they can. And things will surprise you. I think that life will conspire in your favor. Um, I, I really believe that. So you've got your definite purpose backed by desire. You've got your definite plan that you've expressed in continuous action, meaning you're going, you've got a plan you can follow. You've got your recipe. You can bake the cake. And then thirdly, he said, you must have your mind tightly closed against all negative, discouraging influences. And these, by the way, can come from the most unlikely of places like relatives, friends, acquaintances, oh, yeah. people that, that think they're doing you a favor by warning you about well, all of the risks and everything else. Well, Chris, don't you think that really that is really the most likely place that those negativities will come from is from people who you are closest to and know because they feel like they can give you unsolicited unsolicited advice. They feel like they know you and, and you know, no man is a prophet in his own town kind of thing. I mean, don't you feel like that is the most likely place that the negativity is? I'm always shocked when people are like, man, my mom, my mom was so negative or my wife was so negative or my, my brother was so negative. Well, what? Yes, of course they were, because that's the people who are closest to you, who know you, who know your faults, who know those things. But that's the people that you have to guard against the most strongly. Guard your mind against that and the fear of criticism, because it might not always even be what, quote, they say, but what we're worried about what they might say. And so our fear of what someone might say or the criticism of, oh, are you re- you're reaching too far? Who are you? to suggest that you're going to become a blank, fill in the blank, a doctor, millionaire, whatever it is, who are you? Come on. So sometimes it's, yes, it is the people within close proximity that you think would have your back, but they believe they do. So this is an investigation of the the relative. It's like, they really believe they're warning you, hey, this is, you're you're headed down the wrong road, my friend. I, I know that I could just let you trip and fall into that hole uh, and hurt yourself, but I'm here to protect you from yourself. So just you have to guard your mind against it. One <laughs> right. thing that I do is I, I came up with a game a number of years ago that I play when I'm faced with negativity. And I try to deduce who is this person? Are they a philosopher, a poet, or a warrior? And if where's the advice coming from? Oh, they're a warrior type. Of course, they're going to tell me to fight. So when bludgeon the other party, oh, they're a philosopher, right? Okay, so they're going to want to pontificate and navel-gaze. I get it. Uh, they don't want to get anything done, but they're going to say a lot. Oh, they're an artist. They're lovey-dovey poet-type people that that really want to, you know, sort of just howl at the moon and, and again, not accomplish a lot. Um, it, that's not a castigation of artists. I, I am an artist, Michael, but I'm saying <laughs> there are different types of personalities, and I say to myself, oh, wait a minute, where's this coming from? Oh, I get it. 
this is why you're saying that. Okay, I'll take that under advisement. Thank you very much. Even if it's just a mental conversation I'm having. Okay, so we've got a definite purpose, got a definite plan, close our mind tightly against negativity, criticism, and even self-criticism and, and worry about what they might say, which means then we must have somebody in our corner and speak about Rocky and have the, I forget the guy, what was the coach's name? Is uh, uh, Earl, is that? Uh, Rocky Balboa. Right. And the little guy, you know, eventually uh, died. Spoiler alert if anybody is Yeah, uh, I can't remember. Rocky uh, three. Anyway. Anyway, so you got him in the corner there. You know, Rocky. So anyway, you got that guy. That means you need a friendly alliance. You need one or more people. You don't need a team. You don't need a board of directors. But at least one other person with which you can create a friendly alliance. And this, of course, right. is what Napoleon Hill learned from Andrew Carnegie, which was the mastermind alliance. Creating. Right. Uh, fill in your weaknesses, find somebody. And, and by the way, if you find somebody to align with, who's identical to you, well, okay. But you might want somebody else that, that can fill in the gaps where you lack. You want to find somebody who, for example, uh, when I'm writing, I need somebody that's really good at grammar and punctuation because I ain't. And so I need that person. If I were just to find somebody who's just a sort of a creative that likes to throw out stories and, Hey, would you edit my book? No. <laughs> that, uh, you can give me some tips on direction and storytelling, but let, right. let's get somebody who knows grammar and punctuation in and out. That's who I need to align myself with. Yeah. Same with the art for my book cover, or I just came out with a brand new 2023 on top of the world coin. I, I employed a wonderful artist. I kind of came up with a design very crudely, handed it off to this guy named Dan Coe, who's an amazing artist, and he illustrated it beautifully. So that's a mastermind right. alliance. My closest alliance of course, is with my wife, Tiffany, and she and I are in alignment on our business, even though we come from two different places. But that's how I think that alliance has allowed us to grow our portfolio, grow our business and okay. our family and contentment. All right, Chris Story, let's summate here. We've got less than two minutes. Um, so your three things for the persistence includes, go run through them real quick. Got to have a definite purpose. Number one, number two, definite plan. That's the how you're going to accomplish it. Third, close your mind tightly against all negative forces, be they close by proximity or relatives or even from your own mind. And then fourth and final, have a friendly alliance with at least one other person, which Napoleon Hill called the mastermind alliance. That will take you far. Think and grow rich. Uh, probably again, uh, top three books for me, uh, that changed the way that I thought and changed the way that I, that I felt about things and, and, uh, really gave me some purpose in life. I'm glad. I think I read it the first time I read it. I was 18 years old. It was an amazing book and it was eye opening. Definitely something you can go still as pertinent today as it was when it was written in 1936. Yeah. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Thank you, my friend for coming on board and joining us. We appreciate you being part of it today. My pleasure. I hope your taste came back in time for Thanksgiving. Oh, it's starting to. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Feeling pretty good. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, uh, we're in the break right now. Um, 
Chris, any final thoughts from you, my friend, as you get ready to wrap up? I mean, I'm excited. You made me excited to reread Think and Grow Rich. It's been probably 15 years since I read it. Uh, the last oh, time. Such a, it's, yeah, it should be right there at your fingertips. I, I keep it funny. I, I, re, I look through it about once a week uh, for a Tuesday or Thursday episode of On Top of the World, but I, I will just grab a quote or a thought out of it. But now I'm just diligently going through cover to cover, and it's worth the time. Rich and Kenai texted in. I was listening. He said that Mickey was the trainer. Yeah, Mickey. Mickey. Yep. How could we forget that? I know. Rob Myers. You, Rob Myers on uh, YouTube. He's watching us on YouTube this morning. He said the same thing, but I ran out of time. So, yeah, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. I love you. I love you, Rock. Such it's a, fine. Such I a love you. Um, yeah, no. Uh, but a- again, another good story. And I think, again, uh, relevant right now. We should be. You know, let's reset for 2023 and rereading Think and Grow Rich, you know, rereading uh, As a Man Thinketh, rereading The Go-Getter, rereading It Works, rereading some of these different things. I mean, these are all little things that you could use to get your mind right for 2023, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and just exactly getting your mind right. And what do you want to accomplish yet this year? It's not over. Still got a you know month and a half. And where do you want to go? And I think it's a mistake to wait till January 1st to, to reset the clock. I say, do it right now. Yeah. Right now you can have your own fiscal calendar. It doesn't matter. You can have your own calendar for your health and your wealth, your prosperity. You start right now today. Don't wait. And these books should be in your library. Think you grow rich. Who is it? I heard somebody the other day said the top three greatest books in the world. Think you grow rich. Uh, as a man think of, and was it the backyard million? The Backyard Millionaire? That does sound familiar. I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I heard it. I think those three three books should be in everybody's library for sure. Um, And uh, probably Born to Live would probably round out the uh, the fourth uh, fourth, uh, in the series. That's the other thing they said. Yeah, that's that's what it was. such a wise person. I know. It's amazing uh, what that guy says. I Love Homer, Alaska is where you'll find all about Chris Story and his book, The Backyard Millionaire, and his book, Born to Live, and his fictional series the making of man um and his latest book called the watchman which i'm eagerly anticipating um i'm eagerly anticipating the 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 uh uh the art copy of so that i can uh so that i can start uh, laying some tracks down on that one that one uh the the jacob man mm-hmm. books are a fun book to read so I can't uh, wait to hear my words come out of your mouth. I know. That's, that's what everybody says. They just, <laughs> I'm just a puppet. That's all I do. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on board. As always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And thanks for reminding us of uh, some good stuff. Napoleon Hill never can go wrong with Napoleon Hill. I got to be honest. Um, mm-hmm, I agree. Nothing that he's ever done that I have disliked. Um, you just made me think that I actually had at one point. I don't know where they are, and it's really sad. I actually had at one point a series of cassettes that were recordings of Napoleon Hill um, mm. talking about some of these things, and they were they were great. And I just I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what you could find that on YouTube. You, you, I'm sure you I'm, I'm, I'm sure I probably can. I just it would, but it was really nice to be able as I was reading some of the books and listening to his words all at the same time. It was definitely I forget a, how much uh, older than me you are that's right cassettes what are those we'll talk about that another time yeah cassettes you know they're right there behind the reel to reels and the eight tracks it's uh it's amazing stuff thank you chris i appreciate it my friend happy thanksgiving michael you too my friend enjoy yourself and uh have a great uh have a great day he didn't even give me a chance to say the same thing back to them he just 
hangs up is the way he is. It's how it works around here. All right. <clears throat> what about Napoleon Dynamite? Well, he's also a philosopher, but just not in the same league of Napoleon Dynamite is not in the uh, is not in the same league as Napoleon Hill. So, I mean, he's still good. He's still good, but uh, it's great. Um, all right, uh, we are about ninety seconds out right now. Uh, looks like the internet has stabilized this morning. I have no idea what was going on earlier, but um, we seem to have uh, we seem to have made it out of the dark tunnel and are back on track for where we need to uh, where we need to be. Uh, I got a couple of news stories that uh, I'm going to hit on the way out. Should I um, should I hit a good news story on the way out too? Should I do that? Let me see if there's a good news story that I haven't I haven't been to the I haven't been to my good news site in a while. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's kind of cool. Um, that's also kind of cool. Um, oh, and that's really cool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> oh, this one. This is the story. This is the story. I just found the story. I haven't even read it yet, but I just read the headline. This is the story that we're going to hit on here as we go through. We're going to do some good news this morning. Why? Because we can. Because we can. And uh, then tomorrow on the program, it will be Joe Geldhoff, Donna Arduin, and Nick Bagich. Ow. That was loud. Holy cow. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Well, okay. Good morning. Final segment of the show today, coming up on tomorrow's program. We're going to be joined in hour one by Joe Geldhoff and Donna Arduin, who, uh, I mean, fingers crossed that the internet works. They're going to be joining us and talking about the results of the election and what they see. What does that mean for the uh, for the budgets and the session and the future of the state of Alaska? We'll get some analysis from them here uh, tomorrow morning in hour one. We're going to start off first thing with them. We're going to kick things off early at 6.05. Then uh, in hour two, we'll be joined by Nick Baggage, who, uh, as you know, is... Uh, uh, candidate for Congress, currently running in third place. Um, so we're going to get Nick's take on what happened during the election and what he sees uh, going on in the future and where he goes from here. Uh, because I think at this point, um, it, it obviously going to be a heavy lift for him to be able to overcome both Peltola and Palin. Um, another Christmas miracle, as we were talking about Chewbacca the other day, a Christmas miracle would be required for him to move forward. So we're going to talk with Nick Baggage tomorrow about that. Uh, this morning, one final segment here. I do want to do some good news. The good news. This is the good news. And then we're going to talk for just a minute about, uh, something that has been mentioned. Uh, we mentioned it here a week or two ago. 
Uh, but we really didn't get down into it. Uh, interestingly enough, there is uh, um, uh, there is a, a news article that came out yesterday uh, in the ADN about it. So we're going to talk about that. But first and foremost, let's do the good news. A Utah man's heroic decision to jump into a freezing river has saved a woman after she attempted to end her life on the morning of November the 12th. Dane Entz and his wife were returning from a weekend getaway to celebrate their anniversary. They were crossing the Johns Hole Bridge in Idaho Falls, Idaho, the very spot where the couple had had their first date when they came upon the scene of what would be another life-altering moment. Upon looking down from the bridge above, looking down at the boat ramp below, my wife noticed a car driving down the boat ramp and entering the water, uh, said Dane. His wife called 911. Dane jumped out of the car, climbed a barbed wire fence, and ran to the boat launch. He saw that the car was seeking, uh, sinking into the uh, Snake River, which is known for its dangerous undertow. But the woman emerged, and he hollered uh, to her, asking if she was okay. She then began swimming away from shore, telling uh, Dane that I'm committing suicide and I don't want to live anymore. Uh, Dane told her, I don't know who you are, but I'm here and I love you and I'm going to help you. While the river swallowed up her car, he quickly swam approximately 120 feet from the shore to pull the woman back to the bank, risking freezing conditions and outdoor temperatures of 19 degrees. Dane said the woman didn't have enough strength to resist him and wanted to be left alone, but he ignored uh, her request. He said, I knew we were out of time. The first responders arrived to render aid and transported the patient to the hospital in stable condition for mental health evaluation and additional assistance. They also pulled out the submerged car. Um, the uh, The Idaho Falls Fire Department expressed uh, gratitude to Dane and Good Samaritan. Dane said it caused him to appreciate the hardships others are going through, and he has since spoken to the woman's family with hopes to meet uh, with, uh, with hopes to meet her again soon, but again, jumps into an icy river to save a woman, a woman attempting suicide at exactly the same spot where he dated his wife. That's a uh, that's a uh, that's some serendipity right there. That's some good news. That's some good news. There's never there's never a reason, never a reason, and it's always good to be there just in case somebody needs you. All right. Here is the big news in the state of Alaska, and we've talked a little bit about food security, and I know there's folks in the chat room that definitely want to talk about food security and, uh, you know, and self-sufficiency and everything like that. Here is something that I think may force the conversation. There's a $25 billion deal on the table right now that would reunite um, uh, Kroger and Albertsons, which is Fred Myers and Car Safeway. It would unite those stores under one corporate umbrella, and it's raising some unique concerns here in Alaska because those are really the only two dominant stores that are out there. I mean, you get your Walmarts and your Targets with some groceries, but for the most part, those are your choices. Kroger uh, announced plans last month to merge uh, with Albertsons. The deal, if approved by the FTC, could create a grocery behemoth. They are the two largest uh, grocery stores in the country, with Kroger being number one and Albertsons being number two. Uh, The two retail giants have said they will invest to improve the customer experience, to reduce prices, to increase wages and worker benefits. Uh, Experts say the combined change will likely be required to sell off some stores in in Alaska and other states to keep uh, competition alive. But that raises concerns about whether any company can successfully compete again. Uh, You'll remember 
that back in the day when Safeway was purchased, when Cars was purchased by Safeway, that at the time <clears throat> it was required by the state of Alaska that they sell off some of their stores here in uh, in the state. Uh, the Alaska Marketplace acquired six of those stores under a consortium, um, but all six stores closed within 15 months. And uh, the critics have asserted that the state erred by allowing Safeway to sell off the lower-performing stores. So we're hoping that we don't see that. Um, I mean, we're already seeing you know, fragile supply chain issues and everything else. And, you know, sometimes it's nice. I'd like to go to Safeway to buy certain things I once or twice a year. And then I do most of my shopping at Fred Meyers and occasionally I'll go to Walmart or something like that. But for the most part, I shop at one store uh, with a few other things. But if they all become one, then I won't be going to Safeway for the Primo Taglio Genoa salami or the specific bone-in ham because they're the only ones that have had bone-in hams. Uh, over the years for my Christmas dinner. Um, there'll be fewer people making decisions about bringing food up here. Uh, it'll make the supply chain more fragile. This is what a lot of the folks are saying uh, about this issue. Um, it um, It's interesting to watch, but it does make me a little bit leery because, again, even if they spin off a few stores in the state of Alaska, who's going to pick them up and <clears throat> will they have enough uh, will they be competitive enough to stay in business? I mean, this is a question. Um, and does this raise for you the red flag of maybe we should be looking at ways to make our own foods, uh, you know, uh, our own food sources more readily available? Should we be looking at more Alaskan grown? Should we be focusing on that as well again? I know the economics don't always work out, and that's part of the problem, but... How do we work on making it so that it does? That's that's the bigger question. How do we how do we make it so that we have food security and still are able to afford to be able to eat? That's the that's the question. That's the million dollar question right there. Um, maybe three bears. Yeah, somebody else said three bears. There's there are some other people out there. It's interesting, but well, I think it's something we're going to have to talk about more. We'll see. We'll see. All right, folks, we're out of time again tomorrow. Donna Ardwin, Joe Geldhoff, and Nick Begich, our guests. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Thank you, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind, love one another, and live well. Well, it's an interesting discussion. I don't know exactly what the solution is here, but uh, we'll be having that. We'll be having that discussion here in the near future. Appreciate you guys coming in and joining us. We got more coming up tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. See ya. Have a good day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 